Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in I'm Dapper Dan Gavazdan, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Giannacchio, and I also own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. But for me, and really for the rest of the civilized world, the annuals don't count. Well, welcome to the Amazing Spider-Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for one of our famous review episodes of The Amazing Spider-Talk. Famous or infamous, Dan, we'll never know. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider-Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and sprinkled in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening. What's Today on the show, Dan and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 89, entitled Beyond, Chapter 15. This issue was written by Patrick Gleason, with pencils from Mark Bagley, inks by Andrew Hennessy and John Dell, colors by Brian Belenza, a cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez, and of course, letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. This issue was first released on February 16th, 2022. All right, let me get into my summary of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 89. We start with a flashback of Ashley Kafka's transformation into the new Goblin Queen, or is that Queen Goblin, before she escaped from Beyond Corporations. She outlines her new higher calling, as ruling those she once guided with strength through madness. Meanwhile, Peter is recovering from another successful physical therapy session, but secretly still struggling with the basics of Spider-Manning, namely climbing up walls. Black Hat shows up just as the Queen Goblin attacks the Daily Bugle. Peter wants to help her, but she webs him to the wall to force him to stay behind. Mary Jane is cornered by the Queen Goblin, who has left a deadly trail in her wake with several murdered employees of the Daily Bugle littered around the offices and falling out of the building. Felicia saves MJ and tells her that she has faith in Ben as Spider-Man, despite his actions towards MJ. But their safety is short-lived as the Queen Goblin grabs Felicia and performs a goblin gaze on her. The gaze convinces Black Cat of her worthlessness, 
and she prepares to jump out of the building to her death. But an amazing sequence, Peter shows up and catches Felicia with a web line. Felicia and MJ declare him back as the Spider-Man and give him his costume. He suits up and assures them that he's ready to face the Goblin Queen. Or is it Queen Goblin? I'll never say it right. But then we learn that he's never actually escaped from the webbing on his own, but that Janine actually freed him from his webs. So he's headed off bravely towards certain doom. Quite the cliffhanger, Dan. That's my summary for (laughs) Volume 5, Number 89. And yes, it is quite the cliffhanger. This is one of those books, I think, where it gains points for having, like, a really genuinely exciting cliffhanger. Absolutely, Dan. Why don't we get into some of our more granular thoughts about the the comic? Why don't we start with the return? Well, I, I know he's done a few other issues recently, but the, the return-ish of Mark Bagley. Uh, you know, obviously... Bagley is is a is a legend in the biz, and he he seems to be kind of pinch hitting a lot on on Spider Man, going back to even the Nick Spencer run. But what did we think about his work here on Beyond? Here, are, are you a fan, yay or nay? You, you seemed a little hesitant with Bagley in some of his recent work. I mean, you know, you have to understand about Bagley is that he is usually brought in as like a speedy artist. I mean, yes, he had his own run, but he's been kind of a pinch pinch hitter over the past few years. You know, he's got quite the track record. I think he has drawn more issues of Amazing Spider-Man than any other artist. Maybe J.R.J.R. might have him beat out in in that realm. You know, he is just kind of a staple on Amazing Spider-Man and... That can be like positive and negative, which is I think sometimes his stuff comes across as like really like kind of standard or rote or that he was kind of speeding through it. But one thing I think that's always good about Mark Bagley, no matter what version of it him it is, is that he's always got great layout, especially when he works with someone that knows how to give him visual stuff to do. And, you know, do I think every sequence in this is amazing? Not, you know, it's not his best work, but there are things like sequences in this that I think are really stand out. Like there's a particular teardrop sequence that I think is brilliant. And I have to think that Patrick Gleason, who wrote this and is an artist himself, a very good artist known. And we've commented on his great layouts as well. I have to think that he really set up Mark Bagley here to really hit one out of the park. Some things are just not as crisp as you'd want them to be. I think when when Bagley comes in on this nature, although you had mentioned, I think before we started recording that Patrick Gleason was kind of talking up the partnership with Bagley. So, so maybe this was planned. I, I, I was kind of wondering, well, if Bagley was part of the, the, the Beyond team, why why is he only coming in now towards the end when they're clearly trying to make deadlines and get this thing done and to make way for the Zeb Wells JRJR run? But I, I, I whatever. Anyway, maybe they take him for granted. You know, he's just around, I guess, like he's just so reliable, you know, I mean, totally possible. I, 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 my point being is that while there is like a rushed element sometimes to Bagley when he when he's working under these circumstances, like he's such a pro that like he's he still just tells a hell of a story visually. And I think pairing him with someone like Gleason, who 
we'll we'll get into this when we when we talk about some of the characterization here. But it's like you know, Gleason does not strike me as someone who's like writing some of his first books here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Gleason, Gleason <laughs> has has kind of the 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 wordsmithing of a pro himself. But like you know, again, coming from that that artist artistic background, I think it, it's just a really good pairing. Like you know, like there there are some. Some writer artist teams that just really, really work well together. I always think of like Dan Slott and Stuart Eminen towards the end of their run there. But like, I think that I really like this Gleason Bagley pairing that we're about to get into here. I mean, not the greatest artwork in the world, but like good storytelling and everything works here from that angle, which is what what's frankly for me most important rather than something that's overly stylish and and crisp and clean sometimes, you know? Yeah, for me, the one thing that really stood out here as a negative for me is like the designs of the characters. Like, I think his queen goblin is not quite as terrifying as she is kind of like sexy. And I I think I preferred the kind of more like, like brutish armored up kind of creep that she was under Michael Dowling's pencils. I found it a little bit weird that Peter Parker that appeared in this book, and I don't remember this being a problem with previous Bagley work, although I guess most of the stuff that we saw with Bagley was Peter in costume, because did we even see Peter Parker in the Nick Spencer run? I don't really remember. His Peter has his like ultimate Spider-Man haircut from like the early 2000s. <laughs> and it just like stood out to me the whole time, like because it's not even how Bagley has drawn the character in, in Amazing Spider-Man recently, he just gave him like the early 2000s haircut. And it's like, did he forget what haircut he normally gives him? It just like every time I saw it, I was like, well, like that, that's the character from the Ultimate Universe. He just looked way younger. And that that st- stood out to me. You of the two of us would certainly pick up on uh, something that looked more ultimate than 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 I would. But he didn't hit a home run with some of his design work, but like. You know, I, I what 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 he what he kind of lacks in that in in some of his designs, I think he just makes up in in his sequencing and 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 narrative flow. Why don't we talk a little bit about Queen Goblin? Don't call me Goblin Queen. While she may not look frightening under Bagley's pencils, I mean, like, you know, there's quite quite the body count in this book, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know that I've seen this many people die in a Spidey comic in like recent years or maybe ever. Like normally you get like maximum get carnage maybe building. <laughs> yeah, right. Like people falling out of the buildings normally get caught by some webs and there is just like straight up carnage in here. I'm probably, you know, I don't mean, I don't mean it in the way that I, you might, you might think I mean it because she's a red goblin, but yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I was kind of like, it really upped the stakes for me. Like, Oh, she's like actually killing people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very, very over the top. Definitely setting up the threat level here. Not, not that I want her to kill main characters, but like, you know, it's one thing when she's kind of like plowing through a bunch of red shirts. But like, you know, we, 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 we haven't seen anyone of significance bite the dust yet. So, you know, it, it, it is worth noting that it's easy to kind of, you know, kill off like cannon fodder, I guess. But what do you make of the like clarifications of like her morality or how she perceives her role as a goblin? Frankly, I appreciated it, even if it is a bunch of gobbledygook. Did did it clarify anything for you about like who this person is? It's a definitely a unique spin on the goblin concept. I, I like that it's just not 
sheer homicidal madness. It's 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 you know there's a there's a twist to it with her her like therapist you know through the lens of her therapy background and how she kind of gets into the the deeper seated issues of of her patients, if you will. I I, I will say though like. The manifestation of that through the goblin gaze is a little little weird for me because it's like where where is this power coming from? I mean, like you know, like we 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 know that she's powered by the sins of Norman Osborne, which is kind of nonsense in, in and of itself. But it's right, like, but but where does so so then where does the gaze come from? I mean, it's it's a cool power in that the way it's being used is creating interesting results especially like with Felicia here. I don't know. Like it, it, it just, it just seems very random to me at the same time. What, what, what about you? I mean, are you, am I being too critical here? No, I totally agree with you. I mean, maybe that's a bit of beyond tech through that visor of hers. You know, I expect we'll see her use it again, even without the visor. And then the visualization of it is this almost like Cthulhu esque octopus manifestations of people's memories. And like, I really want to understand like why that imagery, like why octopus tentacles. I don't really associate octopi with <laughs> goblins or or the mind. I mean, it's creepy for sure. Like it's got that kind of like, you know, uh, Cthulhu stuff. Does it matter that she has this power? Like, is it one of those things where it's like it's cool, so let it go? At the same time, she's already got something that I think is even cooler than the goblin gaze, which is her mace. Which yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to like overstate it here, but like you know, my you know, my notes say the Goblin Mace might be the best new villain weapon introduced in this series, and I'm serious. Like like I don't know, like it's just effective, it's deadly, it's it's wreaking havoc, and like it just looks cool when when she just swings this thing around and kills a bunch of people dead. I mean I don't know, like. It's it's a pretty scary weapon, whereas the goblin gaze, I don't know, like where is this coming from? But, you know, swinging like a like a demonic mace, you know, I that 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 sticks with me. I I, I don't question that. <laughs> I, I also appreciate any goblin story that takes place like high over the streets of New York. It, it bums me out that like we got so few goblin fights in the Spider-Man movies that are actually like him with a web shooter behind them being like thrown around the city, like seeing her creative use of the goblin gliders as like not only like weapons, but also as like a plank for Felicia to walk off of is cool. Like there's this really kind of cool psychological element to her that makes her kind of fun to, to read on the page. Definitely. What do we think of Patrick Leeson's Peter here? Now, I mean, obviously I, I, I think kind of leading up to this current arc, the, the Patrick Leeson Peter focused issue from, I don't know, a month or two ago was probably my favorite beyond issue. But like, so we know that Gleason can write can write Peter really well, but I don't know. I, I think, I think he's even doing better here in, in these stories here. What about you? Not only is this Peter well-written, this one is a, a one that really focuses on Felicia and MJ. And not only is this Peter voice great, and, and there's a nice, like, solid arc for the character in this issue. The focus on relationships, like, between people that actually care about each other and like each other is really refreshing because I think so often in these books, we get these characters, like, that are kind of, like, at, e at wits with each other. And 
to me, the the time when Spider-Man was best was when, you know, that Romita era where, you know, everybody kind of, there was that, that little pack, a group of people and seeing this kind of focus on MJ and Felicia and, and Peter and Ben and the kind of cast ar- around that has been really nice. And the people, they're, they're tender towards each other and they're trusting. I, I like all that. I think, I think Gleason stuff is a little bit wordy and a little maybe over jokey in the gravity of the situation, but that's comics for you. So yeah, I I'm really digging it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really subtract points for some of the jokes on this, but I, I get what you're saying. But like, I mean, for me, like, and look, I, 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 I'm, I try to resist looking backwards when it comes to analyzing new issues, but you know, we, 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 we talked not even just during the, the Spencer run, but even at points in the dance slot run about like this idea of like, Peter as a bystander and you know I think part of the reason why I was a little reluctant to even really get too excited about Beyond was this idea of like oh well it's going to be Ben Riley's turn as Spider-Man again and I'm like thinking to myself man does did they just not want to write Peter Parker anymore like what's happening here regardless of that like it's not even just that the that Peter is active but it's it's you know like we got this guy who's just like fighting for his right to be Spider-Man again. And it just comes across so genuinely and so sincerely in, in, in this book. And then in the following one that we'll do after we talk about 89 here, it's just so refreshing to have not even just a a well characterized Peter. And, and like you said, these relationships with other characters and people who just, like you said, like each other and want to be and want to do things for each other. But like, it's just to kind of see Peter, having to kind of not just earn his way back, but like demonstrate why he likes being Spider-Man that he wants to be Spider-Man. Like, you know, like I I feel like that's an element that certain writers of recent past have kind of really obsessed over this idea of like this Peter even want to do this anymore. And it's like, you know, here we are, we have someone who's just kind of celebrating the fact that like Peter really doesn't have the skills right now to be Spider-Man, but he just wants to do it so bad that he's, he's just doing you using every resource at his disposal to be Spider-Man. And I, I just really like applaud that and, and how that's been coming across. That's perfectly stated Mark, because I have a tendency to try to make everything metatextual, you know, for me, it's been really great to get away from Peter and then see such a good interpretation of Peter, because I feel like, this is a character that like has been so mishandled for such a long time to then just see such an earnest version of him on these pages and just getting away from him. Like it has me really excited for the Wells run. I know this isn't a comic he wrote, but you know, if this is the approach to writing Peter, which is just kind of like enjoying it, like, like writing like a a book that like likes its cast and, wants to spend time with them, then like, great. Like, because there, these are some of like the most kind of standout Peter moments we've had in years in these issues that we're talking about today. All right. Do we want to take a quick break and talk about the slack, Dan? I always do, Mark. (laughs) Well, hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. 
Yeah, I hang out in the Slack all the time. Um, this week we've been talking about the history of Mark Bagley's artwork in Spider-Man, uh, you know, especially in Ultimate Spider-Man. And I think we've kind of come to this idea, and maybe it's true here, and especially I think it'll be true in issue 90 when we talk about that, is, you know, I think Bagley is as good as his anchor is, you know, and his colorists are. And some people make his work sing, and others kind of let him down a little bit. And you can see... Like that, actually, in the like the whole breadth of the Ultimate Spider-Man comics run, uh, and all of Mark Bagley's work. If you want to hear more about that and see images as we break it down, you can come into the Slack and and see what we've been talking about. It's an awesome Spider-Man community. If you're like bummed out about Spider-Man Twitter and all of the insanities that go on there, where like everybody wants to bash on ultimate Spider-Man and nobody can actually like anything without hating something else. <laughs> the Slack is just a love fest. So come on into the Slack uh, and talk to some of your new friends about Spider-Man. Yeah. There's a link in the description of the episode. You can click on it, sign up, come in, say hi and join our little crew over there. All right. Good stuff, Dan. All right. Well, you had kind of alluded to this earlier when we were talking about the artwork, but why, why, why don't you have at it, Dan? Why don't we talk about this teardrop sequence with Black Hat and, and Queen Goblin here? Because this, this seems to be a pretty, pretty standout moment of the book here. Yeah, for me, this was the standout moment of the book. You know, this is the like Peter lifting weight off of him, you know, but, but done through a different kind of uh, like vein. And, and it's, it's really the purely the visual elements of it that that I love. You know, so this is the moment where the Queen Goblin convinces the Black Cat that her life is worthless, so she like jumps off of the glider in like a suicidal way, plunge, and <laughs> yeah, like plunge. There you go, and a tear forms in her eye that like it seems to suggest the kind of like still with it part of herself is kind of willing out this kind of like tearful goodbye and she's falling and the tear just bubbles up in the air in this kind of beautiful warped way. And then a web just like bursts through the frame and through the tear. And you have these really tall vertical frames that like really make you feel like she's falling. And then you get this really long web line and you see a shadowy figure up on the roof holding it. And we don't know who it is. And they're like, it's Spider-Man. And you, then it cuts to MJ and she says, like, that's not Ben. And then they turn the page and there it is. There's Peter struggling in his hospital gear <laughs> to hold on to the black hat. And to me, this was like a get up and cheer moment. You know, one of the ones you used to write about on your blog. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And, and and like you said, it's really been a while since we've had one of those moments in, 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 in Spider-Man history. I mean, I, I, I think when I did that blog post, it was like during like Spider Island. And the, and I don't want to say that we haven't had any since Spider Island, but this one s stood out to me more so than I think anything we've gotten in the last seven or eight years, I would say. I don't know. Am I, am I being a little too uh, glib about it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been a while. I mean, maybe. I'm sure I'm sure we could find other ones, you know, but like like I even think about like Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 1. There's that great bit with him beating Mysterio, you know, but like this one is really earned, you know, because we're what, 15 issues into this run and this is like the return for Peter. Like to me, it was really awesome. And then when they give him his costume back and 
he like goes to climb up the wall and tells them like, that's my secret. I like, I'm never ready. Like to me, that was like, uh, yeah, you go get him. You know, like, uh, it, it really felt earned to me. It put this, like what I thought was already a good comic really over the top for me. Uh, just a purely visual sequence that just, yeah, you're right. We haven't had one of these in a while. Yeah. And hat, hat tip to Joss Whedon's Avengers. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> that's my secret. That line will just be used in perpetuity now. And, but, but, but the ending was great because like, even with that great moment and, and frankly, you know, not, 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 not to spoil anything, but I think like the next issue for me had a better moment because it didn't, it didn't kind of have this bait and switch at the end, which was, you know, we, 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 we see that Peter, Peter, Peter didn't quite earn his way back. He, he, he wants to be back and he's fighting for his life to be back, but he, 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 he got, he got an assist from Janine. I don't know. What did, what did you think about that reveal? I thought it was clever and I think it worked for the story, but it, it, it did kind of take a little bit of the wind out of the sail for me. It made it stronger for me. Uh, to be honest, because it was like, oh, like this is how committed he is. You know, it's like almost suicidal, you know, like, but like that's Peter, right? He can't help himself, but, you know, he even lies to them and says like, you know, like, you know, I'm not ready, but like, he's truly not ready. He says to them, like, didn't I get out of those webs? And then we find out, no, actually he, he really didn't. It, it, it's very into the spider verse. You know, the miles is webbed up in the chair and he has to kind of get out of the webs. In this case, Peter didn't earn it. Right. Maybe he earned it in that moment, you know, but like to me, it only showed truly how much stronger he is, you know, as a person, he, you know, he's going to continue to throw himself into danger. And that to me was like such a strong character moment, you know, like, Oh, like, yeah, it, it takes away a little bit, but it's like, that's the Peter. I know he would do anything. So it made it stronger for me. I, I, I read that ending with a big smile on my face. Cause one, I was like, well, He's going to get into trouble. Like, that can't be good, which we'll get into my my feelings in issue 90 on that. But but yeah, in, in the moment here, I thought it was really strong. The fact that he's fighting for it and it, you know, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's, you know, it's just refreshing to see a Peter who wants to be there, even if he truly isn't ready to be there. And, and maybe he hasn't quite a quote unquote earned it, but the fact that the fact that he's doing it anyway is is him earning it, you know. <laughs> like that's a, that's kind of always, you know, you know, it's it's you know, power the, the the great power must also come great responsibility. But you know, even if the power isn't there, the responsibility is still driving him, you know. So, do we want to get into some grades here? Yeah, sure. the The last thing I want to say about this really quickly is, like, to me, this is a far less cynical take than like the arc we got at the start of the Nick Spencer run about like Peter losing his powers and, and stuff like that. Like to me, this is a much more like, Oh, like optimistic, never say die version of Peter. And I, I just like this so much more. So this one gets an a minus for me. Wow. Okay. That's good. I mean, I, I'm just a, a hair below you. I think, you know, it's, I, I, I think we're going to, when our next episode comes out, we're we're probably going to be a little flip flopped here, but I'm going to give this a B plus. I, I this was we're in a strong run of issues right now. We're we're ending beyond on a really high note here. Good stuff all around, but B plus. 
Absolutely. Well, great, Mark. Uh, this was a fun discussion. Uh, and as for you at home, if you guys find this show entertaining and valuable, please consider consider supporting us. You know, you can recommend Amazing Spider Talk to a friend. And if you're able, why not become a member of our Patreon? Yeah, Dan, we can only bring our audience here, this content with the support of our Patreon members. Uh, And for that reason, we owe the show success to every single one of them. And with that in mind, we're constantly making exclusive content for our Patreon members. Yeah, so why not take $3.99, the price of a new comic, and put it towards a month's subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content. That way you'll hear all of our Patreon-exclusive review podcasts like this one you're listening to right now on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week they come out instead of waiting for them to arrive in our public podcast feed when they turn up on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, and if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. Yeah, but we know it's a hard time for everybody, as it is for us, too. So we appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and sharing. But if you do have the means, please consider joining us on the Patreon to support our continued existence of the show and everything that we do. In order to get to the Patreon, there's a bunch of different things you can do. Our website has links. There's a link in the description for this podcast. You can click on it. It'll take you over to Patreon. You can see all of our different tiered you know, things. You can sign up for artwork, podcasts, etc. Um, and, and help us continue making the show. So, you know, that'll be a lot of fun to have you join us. And again, a thank you to all the members who already make this show possible. Yes, Dan, but it is that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coase with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friend, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and spider Madge. So, Mark, until you get caught in the Red Goblin stare, where you and our lawyers admit that we've never heard of the Red Goblin character before, and that our intellectual property rights to the idea behind the character are forfeit, what's our motto? Well, our motto is, with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Don't miss the next installment.